than you realize. There's more in you, and I'm talking to every single person, including myself. There's more to you than you realize. Amen? We spent the last several weeks talking about momentum, what causes it, and some of the things that hinder it. And today I want to talk about the key ingredient that starts spiritual momentum and some of the signs that we're beginning to move and grow in a godly direction. It often seems as if our spiritual growth has come to a standstill. Am I the only one? Right? You get to that point, you're like, man, what is going on in my spiritual life? But maybe there's not really much to me in a spiritual sense, but I want you to know today that there's more in you than you realize. And as you begin to gain momentum, that's when you begin to discover some of the things that God is trying to uncover in your life. Amen. And so momentum is so important. It's so important that we're moving in our faith, but movement in the spirit doesn't always look like movement in the natural. See, see, we got to be able to see things from God's perspective and God's point of view and what God's trying to work out in the big picture as we feel like we're going nowhere in the right now. There's more to you than you realize. We're going to be preaching today out of Romans chapter 5. Three verses, verse 3, 4, and 5. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. It says this in Romans 5, chapter, three, uh, chapter 5, verse 3. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. Amen? Talking about momentum today. Listen to what this says. I'm going to read the same scripture out of the Amplified Bible. And because I love the Amplified Bible. I love to read the Amplified Bible. But sometimes you're like, you know, like it takes you a few minutes to read through a chapter in the Bible. You got to have like a few hours to read through a chapter in the Bible in the Amplified version. I'm just like, are you kidding me? So, so, so I like to take it and check out different scriptures in the Amplified Bible. Here, here's Romans 5, 3 through 5, the Amplified. It says, moreover, let us be full of joy now. Everybody say now. Yeah. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles. Wow, somebody should name a book after that. <laughs> let us triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings. Are y'all excited yet about this message? Right? Do any of you ever want to slap your Bible? Like when it's it's like, what did you just say to me? Do you know who you're talking to right now? Right? Where was I? And rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, approved faith, and tried, tried, tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints. Never disappoints. I want to let you know something. Hoping in Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. It never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, talks about gaining momentum. This produces this, which produces this, which produces 
this. But we got to start with the with the key producer, right? You want to gain momentum, you got to start at the beginning of where the scripture says you're going to get it. Are y'all with me this morning? See, it says this. It says that suffering produces endurance. Another version says patience. Suffering produces patience. Patience produces, King James Version says, experience. Experience produces hope. Suffering, patience, experience, hope. That sounds like some momentum. Because you're starting in the struggle and ending in the victory, amen? So we got to talk about the first thing that we have to tap into to gain momentum. And that first thing is suffering. We already took the offering up, so we're good there. (laughs) Suffering, right? Raise your hand if you want to (laughs) suffer. Keep it down. The cool thing about suffering is it's not something that we have to try to do. It's just a part of life. Right? That's why you don't have to be afraid of it. So I used to be scared to death that if I really surrendered my heart and my life to God, that I would have to do what Romans 5.3 said. If I really wanted to gain spiritual momentum, if I really wanted to go somewhere in the faith, then it was going to cost me something. But it's not something that we have to be afraid of because the something is coming whether you're with Jesus or without him. It's not is it coming. It's not is is difficulty going to happen. It's who you're going to go through it with, by yourself or with Jesus. So number one, suffering. I don't believe that God causes suffering, but he does use it to cause us to grow. I don't think God's going around making people get in car accidents and and, and, and killing people and, and giving people cancer. I, 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 I can't preach that gospel when I see Jesus hanging on that cross to, to overcome and destroy all of those things. So, so I don't think God's out. I don't think he's the mean God that we've made him out to be to, with the magnifying glass burning ants, right? That's, that's not who the God we serve is. We serve a good God. We serve a just God. We serve a holy God. So I don't think he causes suffering, but I do think that he uses it to cause us to grow. Now, I can already tell I've lost some of you with my first point here, but I want to challenge you to stay with me. Because if you're like me, there's some discoveries to be made in this scripture. So so, so stay with me. Don't, Don't count God out because you're like, you know, I'm good with God unless I have to go through something. You've already been through something. Let's just be good with God. You know, it's actually a genius plan that number one key ingredient to get you moving is pain. Pain. Okay, we'll just change the word to pain. Is that okay? Because yeah. it's actually a genius. God, God, he's, he's so smart. Figure that. Can you believe God had a good plan? <laughs> he, it's actually a genius plan because there's one thing that most humans are not short of, and that's pain. It's pain. See, I, I don't want you to raise your hand in here, and I, don't, I, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you, but there's so many of us that have gone through loss, that have suffered deep loss. Come on, pain, I'm talking about disappointments. 
Have you ever been disappointed before? I'm talking about fear. I'm talking about loneliness. I'm talking about abuse. I'm talking about the the, the stuff that nobody likes to talk about. The the, the stuff, you you say, man, you you are taking my momentum from me right now. You are are literally sucking the life out of me right now. This sermon stinks. No, this sermon's good. Because see, you have viewed pain as something that's trying to stop you. You have viewed pain as the reason that you're stuck where you are. But God doesn't view pain as, as something that's trying to keep you where you are. God views pain as the fuel to get you to where you need to be. Amen? Amen? Disappointments, fear, loneliness, abuse. You know, I think most of us are a lot more abused than we realize. We normally limit abuse to sexual abuse. But you know what abuse is? Abuse for a child. I think we got a lot more child abusers in the church than we, we know. Most of us parents, we've probably abused our children more than we really know. And most of us were abused more than we were like to admit. You know what abuse is for a kid? This is what I've come up with. And, and this, you, I don't, this is just my opinion. But I, abuse for a child Anytime a child has to meet the need of the adult that's supposed to be meeting their needs, it's abuse to that child. Can I say that again? Anytime a child has to meet the needs, talking about suffering today, of the adult in their life who's supposed to be meeting their needs, it's abuse. So where are we using our children to get our needs met. If we use our children to meet our emotional needs, we're abusing them. If we're using our children to meet a physical need, we're abusing them. If if you use a child to meet a sexual need, you're abusing them. If you use a child to to meet any sort, what what do you need? So, So here's what happens. Marriage, husband's not meeting the wife's need for love and attention the way they're supposed to, so wife tries to get the need met through her children. And what happens? It jacks the kid up. Right? So we've limited abuse to sexual abuse, but it's so much more. Anytime we are using our kids to meet our needs, we're jacking them up, and that's why a lot of us are jacked up, because our parents did that to us. I hear, all the, I hear uh, adults say this all the time, and they say it with pride, but they're like, man, when I was a kid, I had uh, two jobs and, I, and I, I paid the light bill. And you wonder why you have some of the issues that you have. See, we look at it as a point of pride that we met the need, but you're not supposed to meet the needs of the people that were created to meet your needs. And when we do, it messes us. I'm just talking about suffering. See, because some of us think that, well, well, no, I'm all good. Are we all good or have we really gone through something? I hear people saying my mom had to work five jobs and so I was the one, I was the caretaker of the five and six uh, siblings. I was the oldest, so I took care of them. That messes a child up, right? See, see, there's more suffering in our lives than, than I think we know about disappointments. Have you ever been disappointed before? Has someone ever let you down? Was someone ever not there that was supposed to be there? 
Fear, loneliness, abuse, rejection, betrayal. Oh, help me, Jesus. Betrayal. I'm talking about the pain that resides deep down in our lives. Betrayal, regret, shame. It's all pain. And every single one of us in here have it. So that's why God's so smart. Because he's like, what can I look at humanity? What, what, what can I look and see what they already have that I can turn around and use to get them moving in their faith? I know what they have. I know what every single one of them deal with on a daily basis. The deep pain that comes from disappointment, fear, loss, loneliness, rejection. I'll tap into that. Look at somebody and say, I think I'm going to let him tap into that. But here's what we know about pain. Bibi's up here. She's been through a lot of pain, right? She took care of the kids, right, while uh, mama was working three jobs because daddy didn't stay around like he was supposed to. And so not only does Bibi deal with rejection, she deals with a form of abuse. And, and so Bibi's got some issues. Right? Yeah, do y'all like Bibi? Big Bertha. Big Bertha. But here we know from Romans chapter 3, verse 5, pain produces. Say that with me. Say pain produces. I promise you it's going to get happier. Pain produces. The question we have to ask ourselves is what is pain producing? What is our pain producing? Pain produces. Pain was introduced in Genesis chapter 3 as a part of the curse when Adam and Eve sinned. Pain produced. And it caused mankind to be stuck. Listen, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 3 starting verse 17. Listen Listen to pain being introduced into the world. The very first pain. Here it comes. Adam and Eve had just sinned. They had, they had listened to the snake in the garden and they had disobeyed God. And now God is having a conversation with Adam, Eve, and the snake. And it's not a good conversation. They're fixing to be kicked out of the garden. They're fixing to be living on their own according to their own resources and their own power. And, and, and they're going to be living apart from God because of their sin. But listen, listen to when pain is introduced because of disobedience. He told the man, because you have listened to your wife... Mm, Jesus. I'm going to read that again. Because you've listened. I'm just kidding. Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from. Don't eat from this tree. The very ground is cursed because of you. Listen to this. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies is going to be for your wife. All kind of pain getting thrown around right now in Genesis chapter 3. You'll be working in pain, say pain, pain, all your life long. The ground will sprout thorns and weeds. You'll get your food the hard way. Planting and tilling and harvesting. Sweating in the fields from dusk to dawn to dusk. Until you return to the ground yourself, dead and buried. You start out as a dirt you'll return to dirt. 
pain is introduced in Genesis chapter 3. And if you'll notice something about pain, is pain produces in Genesis chapter 3. God said it is going to be painful to plant these seeds into the ground. And when, the gra- when you plant those seeds into the ground, it's going to be painful. And that pain is going to produce a plant that has thorns that's going to cause more pain. And then you're going to get the seeds off of that plant and you're going to plant those seeds in the ground and it's going to be painful. And you're going to plant those seeds in the ground and another bush is going to grow up. Another crop is going to grow up and it's going to have thorns and it's going to be painful. And then you're going to take that painful, that painful seed and you're going to plant painfully into the ground and it's going to produce another bush that is painful. Pain in the Old Testament, pain under the curse always produced more pain. Pain's been producing since Genesis chapter 3. Pain under the curse of the law, under the curse of sin, under the curse of being separated from God, pain produces what? Pain. Pain produced pain. Pain produced pain and pain produced more pain. And this is what I call being stuck. Mankind was stuck, not only apart from God, but they were stuck in an extremely painful world and they couldn't get out of the painful world because every time they tried to do something good, it just produced more pain. Pain. Pain produced pain. They were stuck in the cycle of pain. Somebody say pain. Pain. Pain, Oh, you got to get this because we all have it. We've all got it. BB's got it. You've got it. But pain left in our hands. Because see, we learn this from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 3. We learn this from uh, thousands of years of people leaving pain in their own hands. Pain, when left in our hands, always produces, it can only produce more pain. But hey, I've got good news today. Can I preach the gospel? I've got great news today. Jesus came to take the pain. (laughs) See, for thousands of years, mankind lived under this curse where pain produced pain. They were trying to do everything they could do. They they were trying to do it on their own, but pain just kept producing more pain because pain produces, we know that from from Romans 5.3, and pain kept producing more pain until God said, I've had enough of this pain producing pain. And so he sent Jesus to the earth. Galatians 3.13 says to redeem, everybody say redeem, redeem us from the curse of the law, from the curse of disobedience, from the curse of sin, the same curse that was pronounced on Adam and Eve whenever they disobeyed God. He said, I will now give them a way out of the curse. I will redeem mankind through the sacrifice of my son, Jesus Christ. And if anybody will come to my son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's where the gospel gets messed up because you might be thinking that I would say, if anybody gets redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, then there will be no more pain. But if that's true, then God's a liar because I've been redeemed for like 18 years now and it's been a whole lot of pain. So I will not preach the no pain gospel, right? Right? I can't preach the no pain gospel because because the result of the curse 
was pain in the earth. And pain produced pain. And pain is still producing pain even, uh, even though Jesus has come. Pain left in my hands produces more pain. But if I can take my pain to the one who wants to not just redeem my soul for salvation, but he wants to redeem my pain so he can now use it for his purpose. You see, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, pain produces patience. But we've got to understand, pain left in our own hands will always produce more pain. But if we take our pain to the cross of Jesus Christ, if we take our pain to the Father, then pain, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 3, will produce progress. I don't know what you're doing with your pain today, but I'm taking my pain to the Redeemer and I'm going to let him redeem my pain. He will not erase it. He will not pretend that it never happened, but he will redeem it and it will no longer produce more pain in my life, but it will produce progress in my life. Pain produces. So where is your pain? Is it still in your hands? You keeping the rejection in your hands? You keeping the disappointment? You keeping the abuse? Or what, are you keeping all that to yourself? Because if you are, you are no different than Adam. And it's just going to keep on reproducing more pain. But here's, here's what Christians say. We get saved and we're going to heaven and it's all good. And Christians will say this. See, when you start preaching real, when you start getting like, you know, uh, you go past salvation into sanctification and God progressing in your life. Christians will do this. You, you say, man, you know that, that, that sexual abuse as a child, that's got to that's gotta mess with you, right? Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. Anytime I hear somebody say, I'm fine, I know they're stuck. It's just like, that, that is stuck talk. I'm fine. You know, I never had a daddy, never was around and but you know, it ain't no big deal. Hey, I turned out okay. I'm fine. Oh, you are so stuck. That pain is still in your hands. And it's keeping you stuck. But if we'll take that pain to the Redeemer, because see, pain, according to Romans 5.3, is not to say, I'm fine. Pain is never fine. It's not okay. You're not okay. I'm not okay. It's not I'm fine. It's, it's now, this is fuel for the purpose of God in my life. We've got to get our pain redeemed because when we get our pain redeemed, the fine becomes fuel and we're no longer stuck, but we begin to progress that's why, that is why Paul, Paul and James said it in James chapter one. That's why they can say rejoice through difficulty. That's why I don't have to slap my Bible. Because it's not making fun of me. It is not mocking me. See, some of us think the word of God mocks us when it says, just, just dance a little jig whenever somebody abuses you and rejects you and leaves you and you're lonely and people are dying prematurely. And, and you look at that and you say, you know what? Forget this book. But you gotta understand, it's talking about redeemed pain. It's not talking about pain that hasn't come to the cross yet. 
what are you doing with your pain? What's it producing in your life? Because pain produces. Oh my gosh, Jesus, help us come to the cross today, Father. What is your pain producing? You see, BB, she went to the cross. She went to the cross in her pain. See, there's more in her than she realized. Because she thought that that pain was an assignment to destroy her, to take her out, to keep her out of God's purpose. But really, that pain redeemed was all the more reason. It was just fuel to get her into God's purpose. So B.B. comes to the cross and she says, Father, you can have my pain. I'm no longer going to live ashamed. I'm no longer going to live in regret. You can have my pain. And God said, if I have pain that's redeemed, then it's going to produce something in your life. And it's called progress. And BB begins to gain some momentum. See, there was more in her than she realized. Suffering produced patience in Bibi's life because she allowed it to be redeemed. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. See, we spend all of our lives trying to push it down, pretend it didn't happen, forget about it, and be fine, right? Especially men. We're just going to, hey, we can cope. We're, we're okay now, but don't waste your pain because the pain is the fuel to, progress, to, to, to launch you into progress. That pain redeemed. God didn't cause it, but he sure does want to use it. So pain produced patience. Romans 5.3, patience, endurance. Several different words that the scripture use. Patience is the one that I like because it's the, it's, it's the thing that we can identify with the most, right? Because we all pray for it like constantly. Where are, my par- where are my parents of young children at? Where are my parents of teenagers at? Jesus, give me patience before I take their life. Mm. Tell the truth. You fantasized about this before. <laughs> Braveheart, you reach into their chest. <laughs> Sucker. So, right? Patience. This is what patience is. This is, this is the Webster definition. Patience. The capacity. Everybody say there has to be a capacity. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Mm. Trouble or suffering, here it comes, without getting angry or upset. Isn't that weird that this is what suffering produces? Suffering produces the ability to deal with delay. I'm like, God, it could have produced something cooler than that. It could have produced like like a Batman outfit or something. You know what I mean? Like... Like, but no, it produces patience, which is like the most unexciting thing ever. Can I tell you something? Quit praying for patience. You just need to stop because all you're doing is inviting chaos into your life. 
There's only one way to tell if you're patient. <laughs> right? There's only one way to tell. It's when all hell's breaking loose and you don't even get mad. You're like, oh, it's no big deal, little Johnny. He threw powdered sugar all over the house. Right? Is Jasmine in here? I don't want to embarrass. I won't tell that story. I won't embarrass Jasmine. Is that a good story? No, I won't tell. I won't embarrass you. Sometimes I want to tell these stories about these teenagers, but I, I won't embarrass them. But, you know, you know just, you, you know, you know, the, the situations that happen and, and like your blood is like, right? And it's, I'm like, you prayed for patience. So, so God's just seeing if you really wanted it, Right? And here, here's honestly, truthfully, that's funny, but here's why you don't have to pray for patience because it's not something that, that, that God will like slowly release in your life or like give you a little bit more of. If you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you have all the patience that he's ever gonna give you, right? It is a fruit of the Spirit, right? So we need to pray for a revealing of our flesh that's hindering the Spirit of God to manifest in our lives, but patience, the capacity to accept or tolerate a delay. So here we go. Suffering happens. We get it redeemed. We take it to Jesus. And now we're like, God is fixing to start using our pain for progress. And we get moving and God says, hold on. There's nothing more frustrating than when you first get on the road. I mean, we will, we will get on the road. I mean, like we're going to Red River. We're going on a trip, 14 hour drive. And I get on the road and it's not my kids. It's, it's not my children that say, I've got to go to the bathroom. No, it's the other adult in the car. We're not five miles down the road and you Nobody likes a delay when you're just getting moving. You know what I'm saying? I can lock and load. I'm in Brownwood before I'm even thinking about stopping. I'm not even, if we didn't run out of gas, I'd never stop. My kids are good too. It's the other adult. Nobody likes to stop as soon as they get going. But it's so funny how God launches us into this life with him. And then he says, slow down. Seriously, God, I'm just, we just got on the road, man. I just took all that pain to the cross, got it redeemed. Pain is no longer producing pain. Pain is producing progress, and this does not feel like progress. In my personal opinion, patience in a delay, everybody say delay, delay. is one of the greatest tests of a belie- that a believer can face. Enduring a delay is one of the greatest fa- tests you will ever face. Nobody likes a delay. Listen, movement in the natural is always about movement. Right? You can tell things are moving because they're moving, but we're talking about the spirit right now. It is true that things do move in the spirit, but it it often, God often moves the most when we're standing still. He launches us out in this life and then he says, slow down. (laughs) 
let me tell you something. He, he launches us out and then he says, there's going to be a delay. And, and it, what feels like God messing with us is actually God growing us up. What feels like a stop, what feels like a halt is actually God moving in our lives. See, some of you are in delays right now, but we can't misinterpret our delays for a halt in our spiritual movement, but we've got to look for God in the delays. Delays aren't what they seem to be. Don't misinterpret your your delay. God is moving. Come on, tell me God's moving. Encourage me, God is moving. God is moving. This is what James chapter one, verse two again. It says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. How can we do that? We can't do that if our pain is not redeemed. We can only do that if we've gone to the cross with our disappointments. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. You want to see, when God wants to see what we're really made of, what's really in us, all he has to do is get us to slow down. Right? Our true colors show in a delay. Listen to what he says. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Oh, God. raise your hand if you're guilty. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Don't misinterpret your delay. Listen to me. Delays are for discoveries. Delays, you're going to find more things out about yourself and about God when you slow down than you did and than you would if you were going 900 miles an hour. He wants to show you some things about him and he wants to show you some things about yourself to prepare you for your next season. Destinies are often discovered in delays. I recall a young man who had been anointed as king in 1 Samuel named David. He gets anointed as king of Israel by the prophet of God in front of his whole family. The new king has arrived. I'm talking about all the, all the things that David had gone through, all the disappointments, all the rejection from his father, all the pain that he had gone through was now fixing to produce something mighty in his life. His kingdom assignment was being revealed to him. But as soon as the oil gets through dripping off of his head, he goes back out with the sheep. He does not go to the palace. Now, If you're like me and you get oil poured on your head, like you are like getting in the first taxi cab to the palace to go claim your place. Can I get an amen? Are y'all still awake? I'm trying to teach you about momentum today and and I'm going to start going faster. I got to gain some momentum in this sermon. So David immediately goes from the anointing of God Gaining what seemed like momentum in his life, and he immediately goes into a season of delay. 
He immediately goes into a season of delay. Here you have the anointed king of God keeping watch over sheep and delivering cheese to his big brothers who knew he was the king. Dude is on cheese delivery. (laughs) After he has been anointed king of Israel. There will be no greater test in our lives than to get the anointing of God, the approval of God, to take our pain and get truly delivered at the cross. And then he asks us to be the cheese boy. (laughs) And you're looking at God like, do you know who I am? He's thinking, well, actually, yes, I I do. (laughs) Come on, y'all. I know I'm preaching to somebody there. Holy Spirit, speak. But listen to what happens. Right in the middle of his delay, right in the middle of sheep keeping and cheese bringing, God takes his delay and uses it to show him a discovery. Because as he's in the middle of his delay, as he's delivering cheese, he hears an uncircumcised Philistine say something to an army. And long story short, because he was obedient in his delay, because he let patience have its perfect work in his life, he was in the right place at the right time to discover his destiny. Golly. And we're dissing delays. And God's like, this delay is custom set up for you to be in the right place at the right time when, it's, when you're ready to launch out. When you're ready to pursue what the oil represented. Don't misinterpret your delay. God has not forgotten you. The whole world may have overlooked you and underestimated you. But God knows who you are. Help me, Jesus. A lot of discontent in delays. We fight, we fight this season more than we fight this one. Because as soon as we get delivered, we get launched out into, and like, we're like, here we go, God. See, we can't figure out the delay in our marriage. We can't figure out the delay in, in, in what God's working in our children. And we're running around trying to do everything we can. I mean, we will do everything we can in our own strength to try to get out. But God's just like, dude, just keep delivering the cheese, bro. Just keep being faithful in the delay and you'll discover your destiny at the right time. God is not keeping, my mentor looked at me and told me this, looked at me in the face as I'm whining about the different delays in my life. And she looked at me and she said, Colby, God is not keeping something from you. He's keeping something for you. First reaction was to slap. (laughs) But I won't slap a woman. Pastor Nancy is who I'm talking about. And she said, Colby, because see, isn't it crazy how, how... God's got us in this, these, these situations and we'll look at him like, you have, do you see me? 
Have you forgotten about me? Have you forgotten about the oil? Have you forgotten about the promises? Have you forgotten about all the things that you did in my life? Man, you delivered me, you set me free, and now you've got me bringing cheese? Hey, Colby, God's not hiding something from you. He's hiding something for you. Listen to me, young lady, 15, 16, 17, young men, Feel like God's cheating you because you're like, man, I, 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 my body is raging and I'm ready to go out and, and be a man and be a woman and have these relationships. And man, I, we should be able to go have sex and do all the things we want to do. God's not keeping something from you. He's keeping something for you. All the single ladies in here, don't you misinterpret your delay. He's not keeping something from you. He's keeping something for you. He loves you. And at the right time, your destiny is going to be discovered. I believe that with all my heart. Psalm 27, 13 says, I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Listen to what 14 says, stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. So what do you do during a delay? What do I do when I don't understand? What do I do when I feel like God's forgotten? What do I do whenever I feel all this discontent in the season that I'm in? What do I do? Stay with God. What do I do? Stay with God. Don't you run out there and try to do it on your own. Don't try to fix this on your own. Don't try to create an alternate universe for you to stay with God. Just stay with God. Just stay with God. Just stay. Just stay with God. Stay with God. And when you do, patience produces experience. Had David gone too soon to take his place in the palace, he would have been untested and unproven and disrespected in his kingdom. But because he stayed with God in the delay, he got to destroy a giant that an entire nation was afraid of. His destiny was discovered. Had he not killed Goliath, he would not have had a successful reign as king. But because he stayed with God during the delay, God produced something in him that he could not produce in himself. And that was the respect of every single person in Israel. David killed Goliath. What a king he'll be. Wow. Suffering produces patience. Patience produces experience. I'm out of time, so I'll hurry. Experience. Experience. When I first got married, I was moving to Houston. I did not have a job. And uh, I had gotten my CDL to, to drive the church bus. And so when I got my CDL, I got all these hazmats and tractor trailers and passengers. And I, I could drive anything. So I can drive anything. I can't drive anything, but I can. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? right? I, my license proves it. And so I begin to call up these trucking companies. I was 21 years old, and I began to call up these trucking companies in Houston and because that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to drive a truck 
while my wife finished college and we first got married. And, and so I would call them up and one after the other, the other they would say, um, how, how much experience do you have? And I said, well, actually, I don't have any experience, but man, I got my license. And they'd say, sir, you need at least three years experience before we can hire you. And I would go, but I don't have three years experience. That's why we're not hiring you. Right? And so I'd call the next one and they'd say, I'd say, man, let me tell you, I can, I can do this. I can drive. Let me drive. I got the license. They'd say, I'm sorry. Do you have any experience? No, I don't have any experience. Well, I'm sorry. We can't hire you. You need at least three years experience driving. Well, how in the world are you supposed to get three years experience? Ain't nobody going to hire me. So I still don't understand all that. But here's what I learned. Just because I had the license didn't mean I could be trusted behind the wheel. I'm talking about momentum today. See, you're you're all kind of misinterpreting your delay. Because see, what's so cool about God is, is, is he, this is where we gain experience. Suffering produces patience. Patience produces experience. Just because we have permission doesn't mean we get the position. Just because David had the oil poured on his head, he was anointed, that was his license to drive the kingdom. Just because he had permission to be king did not mean that he had the position of king. Something has to happen. We have to stay with God long enough to get position for our permission. Another version uses uh, suffering patience character. Experience is also talked as character. And when we stay with him through delays, that's exactly what we get. We get character. This is your character building season. This This is where all the junk gets worked out in you. You see, we, 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 all, we all want the position. We got no experience. We all want the position, but no character has built in us. We're not tried. We're not tested. See, God is working something in our lives. Proverbs eighteen sixteen says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Your gifting is not enough. Your gift, listen, listen, listen to me. Your gift will get you in the room but it's your character that's going to keep you in the room. See, I don't want to just get to the room. I don't want to just get to the place where God says, this is you. I want to get to the place where I say, I can serve God. I can do what God's called me to do till the day I die. And that's only going to come through having character and integrity. So we've got to gain some experience in the land of delay. And the last thing, B.B. got some experience, and it produced hope. You see, what started out as all difficulty, what started out as, as, as gloom and doom, has ended in hope. What did your pain and delays and experience develop in you? If you've stayed with God through this process, then it will be a clear message of hope. 
pain redeemed, experience gained through staying with God, all of a sudden we've got something to say, not because we we know something, but because we've experienced something. And what we have to say brings hope to everybody that's around us. Come on, somebody. This is the goodness of God. Only God could take what the enemy meant to destroy us and use it and weave it in through our lives. And it becomes a loud, clear message of hope that this world needs to hear. If you haven't noticed, we live in a broken, messed up world that needs somebody to go through the process of God, that needs somebody to stay with God long enough that when they have something to say, it's not just noise that mixes in with all the other noise, but it is a clear message of hope that Jesus Christ is alive. He's still working today. He's still moving today. He still wants to do something great in this world. Where's our hope? You know, and it just keeps working. This produces this. And this produces this. This is how God works. And this produces. Can you all see him? That. I've got him too far back. Let me move him up. Oh. Oh, yeah. Baby. What started out as a hot mess ended up being a clear message of God's goodness, a light in this world. What started out as hopelessness wound up as being hope. What started out as lost wound up being completely and totally found, and it didn't just find itself. It helps other people find him. There's more in you, then you realize some of y'all are right here and you think that this is all that life is. There's no momentum and you're stuck, but there is more in you than you realize. This is what's in you. And see, you say, you say, but, but, but this is not what momentum is supposed to look like. I don't want to wind up this little insignificant nothing. No, The world says you start here and you end here. But God says you start here and you end here. This is what biblical momentum looks like. The more I decrease, John says in John 3.30, the more he increases. Life, Life becomes way less about you and way more about him. I want to be this little dude right here just giving God glory. I stayed with him. I trusted him. I gave him all. And he uses me every single day. This is the momentum that the word of God promises his children. The word of God promises his children. You may be here, but there's more in you than you realize he's taking you here. Just stay with him. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm done preaching. That's momentum. Suffering produces patience. Patience produces experience. Experience produces hope. And he keeps on working in us and keeps on working through us. 
I want to encourage you, don't get stuck where you are. Stay with him. You run to that cross every single time you get a chance. And I'm not talking about the thing that's hanging right there. You run to your Jesus. You run to him in your car. You run to him in your truck. You run to him at home. Listen to me. You just keep steady with him. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He knows who you are, and he knows where you are. And there's more in you than you realize. Amen? Hallelujah. Is there anybody in here today? I've just preached about an amazing God. Preached about our great, good God. He saved me almost 18 years ago. Changed my life. And can I tell you something? I'm nowhere even close to here. But I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And when I want to tuck and run, I'm just going to tell my flesh to shut the hell up. And I'm going to stay with my Jesus. Let's just stay there. Because I think he's got a whole lot better plan for my life than I do. If you're in here today and you've never experienced the goodness of a great God, so you're stuck in pain because it's nothing's ever been redeemed. See, man, man, mankind sinned and then they became stuck in their sin and they couldn't get themselves out of it. The only way out of it is through salvation in Jesus Christ. It's the only way out. That's the first step in this process, some of y'all are right here, all kind of hurting, all kind of messed up, all kind of funky, all kind of nasty story. But I want to tell you something. There's more in you than you realize when you place your life in the hands of Jesus Christ. If you're in here today and you say, if I died, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I've never trusted my life with Jesus. I've never said, God, I surrender my heart and my life to you. Being a good person won't get you there. Being a part of all the right clubs and memberships and doing all the great works in the world will not get you there. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And it's so easy. You come to him and say, Father, I can't do this on my own. I have to have you in my life to be saved. And he comes into your life. He's faithful like that. He's good like that. He doesn't want to take anything from you that you don't need. He wants to give you eternity. Why would we reject that? Today you have an opportunity not to. I'm not going to ask anybody to bow their head and close their eyes. If you want to be born again, you want to trust Jesus with your life once and for all. You say, today is my day of salvation. So I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. You don't have to. You just need to know one thing. The Bible says everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to call upon his name. We're going to ask him to come in and redeem the mess that we are. And he'll do it. If you're in here today and you're not sure if you're saved, but you want to be saved. You want to invite Jesus Christ into your heart and your life. Just raise your hand where you are. We're going to pray a prayer. Anybody? 
what I'm talking about, man. Amen. Come on. Somebody else? We sometimes treat this like it's like a like the worst moment ever, and really it is to our flesh. But this is the greatest moment of your life. Greatest decision you'll ever make. Anybody else? We're going to pray a prayer together. And, and if, if you raised your hand, I, I want you to come forward. C- come here, man. Look, y'all give him a hand clap as he comes. Just stand right there. Anybody else? Come on, be bold. Jesus was bold for you, and he's calling us to be bold for him. You say, it would cost me some pride. I know, isn't that great? Isn't that great? Take some courage for this man of God to stand up here in front of you. But see, he's on his way now. Anybody else? Anybody else in here? Come on, I want to give you a chance. Join him, huh? He ain't scared. Well, you know what? He did it alone. Jesus did it all by himself. Well, hallelujah. Let's all pray this prayer together. You pray this prayer with me as we, as we pray, and this congregation is going to support you and pray it with you. Say, Father, Father I, need I need you. I can't do this on my own. I'm stuck. So today, I place my life in your hands. I open my heart to your spirit. I know that I've messed up, but I know that the cross of Jesus is real. And I receive everything that poured out from it. Today, I confess you as my Lord, my Savior, and my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. What an awesome service. What an awesome service. Let's pray before we go. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you for the Remnant Academy, God, and how we get to celebrate everything that you're doing in those young people and and, and your goodness and faithfulness as you pour your life through our church and you enable us to reach uh, so many, God, with your love and your light. Father, I thank you that as we go out today, we would go out determined, not in our own strength and our own power, but by the power of the Holy Ghost to stay with you through difficulty, through success, God, through doubt, through fear, through it all, God, we're going to stay with you as you work in us, God, and momentum is built in our lives. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We're going out the side doors. Please do not forget. EFJ, you can go pick up your kids in the back. You can go back there. If you do not have an EFJ student,